Welcome to The Drift, your resource on all things business strategy, entrepreneurship, and leadership. I'm your host, Aloiza, and today's guest comes to us with years of people development experience in the health and wellness space. From spearheading management and culture initiatives with Les Mills, to now being the co-founder and CEO of Good Soul Hunting, specializing in fit tech, well tech, and personalized health sectors, Lucy 80 is on a mission to accelerate business growth through the strategic data-driven placement of talented executives. Welcome, Lucy. Thanks, Eloisa. I'm excited to be here. Excited to have you. Lucy, can you share with us a little background on yourself and what got you started? Yeah, sure. So I actually started my career as an employment lawyer um, back in New Zealand. I'm a Kiwi. Um, And after a few years, I realized that it was maybe a little bit more fun to be in the HR or people space rather than spending my days buried in contracts (laughs) until midnight. Uh, So I moved into the recruitment space and then eventually joined uh, Les Mills as PA to the senior leadership team was my first role there which was um, a little bit out of the the general career trajectory that I had planned, but was actually the perfect way to to get a really great understanding of business and start building relationships with executives from early on. So then from there, I I ended up traveling the world. I was very lucky to do so with Les Mills and, and build, I had the opportunity to build teams in the UK, the US and support other markets as well. And then after almost five years in the US market with Les Mills, I met my husband and, and co-founder, Matt. And we so we met in the UK, uh, US. We came back to the UK for family reasons, which is where we are now. But we really loved working together. We loved the US and we loved finding great talent to work with, with awesome brands. We love learning about different businesses. And so we built Good Soul Hunting a, a couple of years back. And Emma Barry also joined us to, to launch the Good, Good Soul Hunting brand. Um, and funnily enough, Emma was actually the person that hired me originally at Les Mills. So we did a full circle. And then we brought on another of our, our ex-Les Mills team members and friends, Andrea Perugini. So she's joined us as Director of Soul Experience. And so together, we've really brought together a team of friends and, and ex-colleagues to build Good Soul Hunting. Amazing. Thank you for the background. One of the incredibly unique differentiators that I found about Good Soul Hunting was that your team comes from the industry yourself, having had learned all of the intricacies of the health and wellness space. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, that's what we hope we bring is, you know, something slightly different than the usual um, executive search background and that we've all been there. We've done the day to day work. We've made the mistakes, learned the lessons and hope that we can kind of add, add an additional layer of value with that experience. And there's a lot of value to be brought from a recruitment perspective when you understand what it takes. Now, thinking about what's happened in the past year, how has the candidate market shifted post-COVID and what should organizations looking to hire think about? Yeah, sure. So it's actually a little bit counterintuitive, but the market is very candidate-driven at the moment. So I think in a a lot of uh, brands that we work with, I think don't realize that because it's a little bit illogical. Um, It feels like from all the news and everything and unemployment rates and everything that you felt like everyone lost their jobs. And so people would be kind of desperate to jump back in, but that's not been the case. So there's a lot of change. There's a lot of uncertainty and the market's just really chaotic at the moment. So everything that could you know happen is happening all different kinds of of reasons for either a candidate not moving forward or a a 
a client not moving forward or you know crazy requests and things all of that is happening right now and I think that's really a result of all this change and uncertainty and people taking stock of what they've um, you know experienced through COVID and things so it's it's a really interesting time I think in terms of like longer shifts um, you know where I think everyone's aware there's been a big push towards digital so any, any industry, whether it's fitness or, or others, that was brick and mortar uh, has had to create some kind of digital or omnipresence, um, omnichannel presence. And, you know, the digital only or the digital first brands are really seizing the opportunity to get in front of consumers that are, uh, have been stuck at home. So we're really seeing a lot of com uh, competition in the space of digital product management, uh, marketing, um, like growth and life cycle type roles as well. So that's, um, they're all hotly contested at the moment. Um, and then I think the balance has also really shifted around what employees value. So it's less about, you know, the cool office and the pool table and the beer fridge. And it's much more about flexibility, work-life balance, working for a purpose-driven brand and, and doing actual work that they're excited about. They're the things that people are looking for now. Definitely. There's quite a culture shift taking place in the industry, especially now more than ever. You're seeing consolidation, strategic partnerships, mergers and acquisitions, as traditionally brick-and-mortar brands are tapping into omnichannel programming. Do you have any thoughts on how companies can maneuver through this transition? Well, I think um, when, you know, when there are maybe brick and mortar or like you say, very product driven brands looking to get into the digital space. I mean, regardless of the situation, we always start with really understanding the, you know, the mission, vision, values and, and the business goals of a brand that we're working with. So everyone has a slightly different version of of what their vision is but really digging into that helps us focus on what the, the our process should be and what specific skills experiences and, and personal attributes they particularly need to prioritize so as an example um, you know you could be looking for a digital leader in the fitness space but depending on their specific strategy they may need somebody that's coming in with actual fitness experience which opens up opportunities for people that have maybe been in the brick and mortar space maybe they don't need as much in terms of technical digital experience as long as they have the the fitness content side um, but then if another similar company in a similar situation their strategy could require actually a really highly technical level of expertise in the product space in which case we'll be probably pulling people from outside of industry and getting them excited about coming into the the fitness or wellness space so it really is very specific I think to each organization of course and there's so much value that a diverse team can bring to the organization and to its consumers when you are predominantly a brick and mortar fitness concept and you're looking to expand digitally you need to bring in industry experts who have mastered their craft in those respective technical skills now we all understand businesses are in varying degrees of experience and age what hiring advice do you have for organizations in different growth stages? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, we actually just published a seven-part series on the different company growth stages and what they mean. So we it's sort of targeted more towards the candidate side so they can find where they'll best fit and where they'll flourish. But actually, I think it's really important for companies to be self-aware as to the stage that they're at and really understand what those opportunities and potential difficulties might be for their company stage and how that impacts in the, the recruitment process. So um, that series could be interesting across both candidates and, and clients. But I think 
what's important is hiring people that can deal with the stage that they're in but also have the headroom to grow with the business and that finding that balance is always um, you know a bit of an art and science process of getting the the skill set that is going to help them you know reach the next stage but somebody that's still you know the uh, um, what we're always talking about is people that are hands-on roll up the sleeves <laughs> are able to deliver and execute without having to have a massive team getting that balance right is quite tricky so that's something we talk a lot about and then I think they also need to be in alignment with other companies of their stage if they if they want to be competitive. So, for example, you know, a pre-seed or seed stage brand can get away with, you know, minimum level of benefits and things like that because the people that are attracted to that environment are, are fine with that and they don't need the full benefit strategy and they don't need every I dotted and T crossed. However, if you're in a later stage company and you can't provide that comprehensive set of benefits, be able to communicate them, then you'll end up being at a disadvantage compared to, to other companies at the same stage. So I think, it, again, it comes back to that self-awareness of the company and then actually prioritizing their people's strategy, which I think is, is then the final piece of advice there is just regardless of what stage you're at, there has to be somebody that owns the people strategy. And it's, you know, in the early stages, you're probably not going to have a people person or HR, but, but somebody needs to be accountable for it and really start thinking about it, even if it's very basic. Um, even it's just the little things that make such a difference to people as they're going through, through a recruitment process. Yes, fundamentally, it's the value that the organization can bring to its employees. And you nailed it. When you're in a startup environment, everyone has the same mentality that they're going to do anything and everything they can to make the business grow. But then there becomes a balancing act that everybody in the organization has to play because the quote unquote OGs will need clearer paths of communication and clearer paths of execution and expectations when you begin adding in additional layers of talent into the fold, ultimately to help drive the business even further. Now, you touched on mission, vision, and values, and I'd love to better understand your thoughts on how much an organization's MVVs play a role in the recruitment process. I think it's really important that that the brands can at least show that they're in the process of developing um, mission, vision, values, and at the very least that the leaders can really speak passionately about their view of what these things are, even if it's not sort of perfectly composed and they haven't had the marketing team, <laughs> you know, have at it and, and make it all look pretty and everything, just being able to speak passionately that's what's really important so that people really feel engaged with, with the leaders and what their vision is. Um, and then again, going back to the company stages, as you go through those stages, it becomes more important to have these, you know, really nailed down, be able to articulate them, showcase them on the website, et cetera. And, and then really importantly, which I think is the part where people, um, companies sort of find it the most difficult is actually showcasing how you live them day to day so that's something that's you know even with our business with good soul hunting that's something that we're trying to do with our values is really try and embed them in our actual daily processes and embed them in our metrics and things so that we can keep them alive because that's you know that's the hard part about values um so when we're partnering with someone we we always start with mission vision values 
that's where we get excited about the partnership um, and we want to be able to speak as passionately as the brand about those things and again whether they're completely solid or not or it's just the the general theory um, we want to be able to speak um, and, and get candidates as excited as, as the CEO would talking about those things um, and it's really part of of the brand story and stories are what engage people so I think yeah they really are a really important part of the process no matter as long as there's something there <laughs> I love this there's so much power in storytelling and it was always intriguing to me when I was in the recruitment process myself where my candidates would give me feedback of how inspired they were on the company's mission vision and values and I reflect back because there wasn't necessarily a moment where I stopped during the entire interview process just to tell them word for word what our company's mission, vision, and values were. But at the end of the recruitment process or at the end of the interview, they still felt it. They felt the movement. How does this happen? I think it's almost how things are being said versus what is actually being said. It's the, it's the passion and the enthusiasm you know, that an executive is bringing to those conversations, that's what's really important. Like I'm thinking about, you know, one of our, our clients that we work with repeatedly. Um, I'm not sure I could actually say exactly what their, you know, word for word, what their mission, vision values are, but every single candidate that we have that meets with them is so excited and engaged with, with what they're doing and what the purpose is because it comes through in a variety of different ways and every single person that they meet even again, if they may not be saying it word for word, but they're saying the same thing. They're singing from the same song sheet and they're all super excited about it. So I think that's where it comes from is just the passion that's sort of infusing through the conversations. You're right. You can feel the culture without needing to hear the words. Now let's take a look at the current state. Organizations are shifting into these hybrid work environments. How will the corporate culture shift and what can organizations do to still create positive cultures? Yeah, this is an interesting space. Um, I think it's going to be really tough for internal HR and for business leaders because there's, I don't think there's a way of pleasing everybody. If you look at all the surveys that are being run at the moment, it's it's so split as to what people want to do. Um, so it's going to be tough. I have a lot of empathy for my HR colleagues, <laughs> picturing myself back in their shoes. Um, so I think with all, you know, with all culture challenges, it's about transparency, honesty, providing team members with the opportunity to provide feedback and, and, and ensuring that they feel heard. So there are some of the things, um, you know, the Gallup, uh, Gallup Q12 survey is an example. That's what they measure in terms of employee engagement is people's, you know, ability to provide opinions and actually feel heard, even if they're, you know, what they want is not actually what's taken on board or that's not the decision. That's not the most important thing. The most important thing is being heard. So I think that's really important in maintaining a positive environment. And I think that all decisions are going to have to have a basis in the business strategy and leaders are going to have to be able to very clearly articulate why decisions have been made and link those back to the strategy. Um, whereas previously you could just say, well, our business is all in the office. That's just the way it is. So, and, you know, people were used to that situation, whereas that's not going to be the case anymore. You have to have a good reason. Um, I think there's also going to be a lot of confusion around people's different circumstances. So companies will have to decide whether they're having one approach for everyone 
or applying flexibility. And again, that's a decision that would need to be based in strategy and data and be very clearly communicated to everyone to sort of minimize issues there and have people feeling positive. And then I think, you know, leaders will have to be very honest and open with themselves as they're making those decisions, because a lot of those decisions are made on personal views uh, and or what used to be or what works best for them. And so, you know, really stepping back and looking at it holistically, getting that feedback from the team and things like that um, will, will be really important in making those decisions. And then, you know, in the end, culture is going to change. This is the start of, of a big culture shift and, you know, companies will probably need to measure performance over time, try and tie that back where they can to different employee engagement metrics, different initiatives like working from home or flexibility, flexibility and things like that, and then try and use that data to, to help make those decisions, bolster those decisions, because if, as long as those decisions are, are strong and have had feedback and are clearly communicated, then that will help maintain that positive side regardless of what the decision is. Of course, the top priority is to clearly articulate your message. One of the important feedbacks that I took away from you is that employees want to feel heard. Even though the reality is we can't please everyone, always listen and provide constructive feedback and always start with the why. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, we always hear about developing your people, developing your people, developing the team. And we always hear about the executive team spending time, spending resources to be able to develop the front lines, but you don't necessarily hear it the other way around about developing your executive team. So in your perspective, how should organizations look to continuously develop or even retain C-level executives? Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> That's absolutely what happens is it's easier to put in place, you know, training programs and things for for the other team members and, and it's hard to prioritize it for, for the executive team. So I think one thing that's helpful is having a value related to continuous development and really trying, again, going back to living the values, try and build that into whether it's metrics or performance um, assessments and things like that, but really try and bring that to life so that it doesn't feel like it's something that executives that keep pushing down the, the list of to-dos, it actually becomes a really important part of the business because it ab absolutely is. If the leadership team is not, you know, highly developed and, and working really well as a team, then that impacts everything else. Um, so some ways that we've done this in the past so, I mean, if you, depending on budgets, you could hire an executive coach that comes in to work either with individuals or with the leadership team themselves. Um, like I say, I think that dynamic of the team working together is in some ways more important than the individual development as well, um, because that, you know, that ability to have vulnerability within a team and be a highly performing team is what impacts in the performance of the business overall. Um, we've used in the past a framework called five dysfunctions of a team. So that's just one example. I don't think it matters <laughs> which framework you use. I think there are loads of great ones. I think it's just about having the conversation and always trying to work, work through that leadership team dynamic to improve it. Um, and, and like I said, having it related to the values, having it on the agenda all the time uh, to really have it as a focus. And then on the on the sort of retention side, I've I've always liked the Netflix like model of, of retention and, and market salary rates and things. So I don't know how much you know about that, but they think about it as 
if this person left, how would you, as, as their manager or as a leadership team, how would you feel about that? Would you fight for them to stay? And if you would, then get that stuff sorted now. Like, don't wait for them to say, to say I'm looking elsewhere because I don't feel like my compensation is, is accurate or fair or I'm not engaged for this reason or that reason. It's about, you know, really understanding your people. So if you're looking at the executive team, this is probably the CEO, maybe the people leader, maybe the board, um, really, you should be, you should know exactly where everybody's at in terms of what they think about their comp, what they think about engagement, you know, what have they asked for that they haven't had, and it's not about giving everybody everything they want, but it is making that value assessment, like, what if they came and said I was leaving, you know, don't, just don't let it get to that place, like, address these things beforehand, and, you know, sometimes you see um, things, you know, go wrong over a 5000 dollar salary increase or a title change that really doesn't impact you know the business in any way little things like that really are important to people so I think that's a very big part of of development and retention and the executive side as well is really understanding how every person in the team is valued in the organization what you would do to keep them and then you know fix any of those things before the, before you need to. You know, I think in the past, we were so fixated on the process of having one annual evaluation. And while that's incredibly valuable, now more than ever, it's important to have these quote unquote micro check-ins to understand the satisfaction of our employees. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the more the more you can have those conversations, the better. But also it's about um, having the relationship that people will actually tell you how they're feeling as well and I think that's a key piece um, that ends up being missed um, because you know you could have a you could have a weekly catch-up or a monthly one and if someone doesn't feel confident to tell you that you're not happy because they feel like you know they may say okay well off you go then um, then that's not going to be helpful so that you know that's something that we've always talked about in our leadership teams is the vulnerability based trust so being able to develop these relationships to a point that you can say anything and share it and it's all coming from the right place and being heard in the right place um, and then you can you know pick up any of these things and fix them or, or help someone move on as well if that's the right thing to do so I think it's a mix of, of frequency and that um, at the actual relationship that that they have definitely a perfect combination of the hard and soft skills in order to develop meaningful relationships now shifting over to another perspective what do you look for in a candidate any interview tips? Yeah, well, to be honest, we look for the basics. So we look for good souls. That's what we're all about. So, um, you know, we look for great communication, you know, a passion for being involved in the process and, you know, respect for the process and everybody involved and things like that. Um, you know, the ability to articulate what you've achieved and also a really clear vision of what you're looking for. Um, they're all important and then you know in terms of actual skill sets personalities and things like that that really varies role by role and brand by brand so that's where we dig in up front to find out what's what's important for the specific you know search that we're completing um, but generally as we're just talking to people we're just looking for good souls you know <laughs> that are passionate about about bringing value to purpose-driven brands um, and I guess you know for the specifics in terms of roles and industries and things that we work in. So we're executive search. So we focus 
sort of on management level and above. Um, and we work across most areas, but really strongly focus in sales, marketing, operations, HR and product would probably be our key areas. And then we're, as you said earlier, we're recruiting across you know, fitness, a fitness and wellness technology, sports tech, personalized health, mental well-being. So the whole sort of wider health and wellness space. Um, and then, yeah, as our name suggests, we're all about matching good souls. So that's what we look for. We, and it's awesome because that means that we have fantastic conversations with people every day, um, which makes for, you know, fantastic days for us um, and super positive experiences. Um, and for, I guess, for tips then for, you know, interviewing with clients, we definitely recommend, I mean, this is, you will have heard this before, but really taking that time to do research and especially in the, um, in the current climate of a lot of digital products and things, you know, get on there, take the time to do a free trial, join the class, you know, being, being able to comment on the experience, um, whether it's just saying it was awesome, I loved it, or, or having some constructive feedback, that is feedback we get from clients all the time that they, you know, even though you kind of expect it, they still love it when, when candidates do that. So I think that's really important. And then, yeah, just the usual advice around being really specific when you're answering questions, providing examples, and then spending time to come up with the right questions to ask. And so again, that's feedback we have a lot is that clients have made their decision based on the questions that a candidate asked them rather than the answers to the interview questions that, that they were asking. I'm the exact same way. What I remembered from conducting interviews was actually not their responses to my questions, but rather their questions. Because two things, it shows their intention of wanting to learn the brand, wanting to learn the product and service offerings. And secondly, from a more philosophical perspective, it shows that they have a respect for the process. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really showcasing that curiosity as well, which, you know, every company wants wants curiosity. And so I think that really showcases that and, and the ability to have put together, you know, really assimilated information as I've been doing the research and, and compile that into a into a great question as a skill as well. Absolutely. Now, any exciting things coming up that we can expect from you and in Good Soul Hunting? Well, we're very excited about hopefully coming back to the US. So if um, if Joe lets us in soon, we're still not allowed to come, but we are hoping that that will change uh, very soon because we're hoping to come over. There's a big uh, fitness industry event in Dallas in October. So we're hoping to come to that, um, meet all the people that we've been working with for the last 18 months over through COVID and, and you know, meet a few more as well. And then we'll be using that sort of as a the initial stop, but we'll do a little bit of a, a tour of the US. So we're very excited about that. Um, in terms of content, we've got a new series about to be launched on tech brands that do company culture really well. So our team has done a lot of research into those brands and um, found some awesome cultures. And so there will be lots of tips and ideas and things in that series, which um, I think starts this week. Uh, and like I said, we've got the one about the company stages as well. There's a quiz um, to help people decide which is the, the right fit for them as well. Um, we have our podcast, uh, Soul Bites with Emma Barry. So lots of different um, guests there so you can find that on Spotify and, and YouTube is the video version and then September is our Good Soul anniversary month so in September we always share Good Soul stories 
and so we do that do that to really celebrate and recognize our network so we'll be um, you'll see us on social um, asking for good soul stories in the in the coming weeks and things so we can get prepared for September oh so exciting thanks for sharing now final question if you could give advice to a young woman that is desiring to be a future entrepreneur what would you share with them yeah I was thinking about this it's interesting isn't it because everyone's so different so personally I've really enjoyed having a solid base of experience in business um, and I found that really helpful and that's just I think my personality traits and, and values have I, I like to be able to bring what I've learned already what I've learned from you know the great leaders that I've worked with and bring that together um, but I know some people love to just jump in so so that applies to to people like me I guess um, and I think there's you know a balance to how much feedback and how many opinions you get from people um, and how much you base you know decisions and things on your own intuition you know, I think being open to feedback and, and practicing self-awareness is so like absolutely crucial. But sometimes if you're asking constantly for other people's opinions, I think it stops you knowing what to do. And, you know, you've developed the business or whatever it is, you know, for a reason. And you know, you know, you should know what's right and, and be just using these, you know, pieces of feedback and opinions and things to help you navigate that or focus. But sometimes I see people sort of switching you know, have a conversation here and switch plans and have a conversation here and switch plans. So I think really, you know, balancing that that feedback and opinions with, with your own intuition. And then the last thing is just keeping things focused and simple and executing on those things. So that's what we do every day. We're constantly challenging ourselves on that. We're always doing too many things. So really trying to bring it back to the core focus of the business and really execute on things, get some traction, and then, you know, go from there and develop with a really strong foundation. Incredible. Well, thank you, Lucy, for your time. And as mentioned, make sure to check out Good Soul Hunting for your resource on talent recruitment and executive development. Looking to hear more about what's happening in the health, wellness, and sports industry? Subscribe to this podcast and also Soul Bites. And we'll catch you next time on The Drift.